A very good morning to you from all of us at Radio 3. Now it's time for Letter to Hong Kong, which this week comes from DAB Vice Chairman and Legislator Holden Chow. This programme is a personal view programme. Although I did not win in the latest district council election, I have been actively liaising with Dongchong residents, and many of them have expressed their wholehearted support to us. Some are deeply disappointed by the outcome. I convinced them, despite my loss in my election, we will continue to work for our neighbourhood. These days, many DAB councillors have been relentlessly reaching out to their constituents. We deeply appreciate the people who came out to vote for us on the polling day, notwithstanding the fear created by all sorts of violence happening in the last few months. Threats to personal safety when supporting pro-establishment camp, when condemning violence, undaunted, they decided to come out and cast their ballots to us. We do express our heartfelt thanks to them, and their common demand is to end the violence and mayhem in the city. The government needs to take speedy and appropriate measures to tackle the mayhem. But to many of these supporters, our Hong Kong government fell short of such common request. We promise our supporters to continue to press the government for taking appropriate and forceful measures to tackle the violence, speed up the prosecution of the rioters, which would give rise to deterring effect. I raised a couple of queries in Lechko, asking for the details of how did the government handle civil servants who took part in riots or violence or openly derogate one country to systems. In reply, the government reverted that there have been 43 cases and merely few out of these 43 accused persons were terminated with their employment. This raised the eyebrows of many. So far, only 43 cases have been dealt with, and there are not even a clear number of cases being terminated with their employment. That is nothing different from condoning the serious wrongdoings of civil servants. With such a complacent attitude, the public do have grave concern. Civil servants are pillars of one country, two systems. One cannot imagine how our constitutional framework could be robustly maintained if civil servants are minded to ruin or aid the ruin of the one country, two systems without consequences. Another grave concern shared by many parents are the lack of penalty to teachers who openly spread inflammatory comments or hate speech to their students. One would recall that there was even a deputy headmaster of a school who dared to spread hate speech against police by suggesting to kill police families. These teachers are teaching kids in classrooms, and how would we expect our kids to learn from them? Lead by example? I doubt the kids would follow suit when they grow up. The city will end up with full of hatred. Sadly, the Education Bureau failed to deliver a convincing action plan to penalize these teachers. No serious actions were taken. Earlier on, my colleagues Horace Jung and Elizabeth Quart moved a motion in education panel demanding the Bureau to take necessary actions against these teachers openly inciting hatred and spreading inflammatory comments. We need to continue to press the government in this regard. 
All in all, we are obliged to steer through these challenges. Our governments failing to coordinate various government authorities, align their interests, is one of the reasons to leave the city dying. Many perceive that there is only the police force confronting the turmoil. Others not even lend them any support. Worse still, they might backstab the police force. The most worrying phenomenon in the city is a paradigm shift in our moral standard. The opposition camp has to bear the responsibility for that, because as political leaders, they are duty bound to lead public opinion. Over the past six months, when facing all sorts of escalating violence, from bricks to petrol bomb being thrown, setting fire everywhere, innocent person being burned by protesters, the opposition camp turned a blind eye to all of this. They even attempt to find excuses for these violence by blaming the government or the police, and they effectively sway many in the city to embrace these violence. And we end up with kind of anarchy. Rule of law is our cornerstone, but our rule of law is now being eroded, as rioters committed crimes without bearing consequences so far. Mobs have no fear to commit repeated crimes amid the social unrest. Finally, rioters set fire in front of our court of final appeal, the symbol of our rule of law. They seem to intimidate the court to follow the protesters' way, or there will be consequences upon judges. The U.S. government has finally ignored our staunch objection, signed the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act into law, not only interfering Chinese domestic affairs. This piece of law could be a double-edged sword. It would surely raise uncertainty as to Hong Kong business environment, given the very biased attitude of some U.S. politicians in dealing with Hong Kong affairs. Eventually, the trade relationship between U.S. and Hong Kong will be affected, which would affect U.S. economic interests here. For those who hailed the law as showing their care and love to Hong Kong. This is purely misleading. For those pan-democrats who travel to U.S. and repeatedly urge the U.S. politicians to throw their weight behind this piece of law, thanks to your effort with our worsening local economy resulting from the mayhem, this is just backstabbing Hong Kong once more to make sure that we can hardly survive. You've been listening to this weekend's letter to Hong Kong from DAB Vice Chairman and Legislator Holden Chow. Letter to Hong Kong will be back next Sunday at the same time. Whee!